Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams, no matter how small. Hi, welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 15th, 2014, tax day. Well, it used to be a day where everybody was running to the post office, but no more. You have to electronically submit now, don't we? Okay, so today we have a great guest, and today we have A.J. Popke, Arnold Popke, and he is an EMDR specialist. Uh, he is it has a PhD in counseling psychology. He was instrumental in the founding of the EMDR Institute, is a certified consultant for the EMDR. He is also certified in Ericksonian hypnosis and a master practitioner of NLP. He specializes in PTSD and addiction and developed the EMDR Addiction Protocol Detour, we'll find out what that is, which he has presented internationally. He worked, um, his work experience includes the Santa Clara County Drug and Alcohol, Haight-Ashbury Free Drug Clinic, Catholic Charities, MRI, the Mental Research Institute, and he presently has a private practice in Sherman Oaks, California. And his number there, if you want to reach uh, AJ is 818-908-8940. Uh, that's 818-908-8940. And his name is Arnold Popke, P-O-P-K-Y, Ph.D., L-M-F-T. Yeah, he's got some letters after his name. <laughs> that's a good sign. And his uh, initials are AJ. So he goes by that. And with that, I'm going to bring him on right now. Hello there. Hi there. How are you? Okay. Good. Nice to have you on. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Monica. You're welcome. So can we start off with explaining what uh, EMDR is? We'll start out with that, and then maybe you could tell. I don't know what NLP stands for. I, I know I've heard of it, but can we just explain to the listeners what what EMDR is first? Oh, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, psychotherapy uh, modality that was developed by Dr. Francine Shapiro in 19, oh, 
1988-1989. And it's used to reprocess traumatic memories. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been approved by the Department of Defense, the Veterans Administration, the American Psychiatric and American Psychological Association as evidence-proved research for trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I've heard of it. Um, I want to just, there's a list here uh, of things you have listed here, EMDR, a proven system for healing, smoking, self-esteem, performance, substance abuse, gambling, anger, PTSD, phobias, anxiety disorders, addictions, weight, and domestic violence. Um, so I know you've been doing it a long time. How long have you been doing this uh, kind of work? 26 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and you have a practice uh, in Sherman Oaks. So if anybody's listening and they're local and they want to get in touch with somebody who is going to maybe uh, help them <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to talk forever about stuff. Right? Sometimes we want to get it's, to the core, right? Yeah, this is not talk therapy. This is mm-hmm. much rapid, uh, faster than talk therapy. So can you explain what happens if you show up and you're gonna, somebody wants to do some work with you? I know I referred somebody to you, so if you could explain, uh, I show up uh, and I no, tell the, you. Uh, yeah. Um, some people think it's akin to REM sleep where um, at night your eyes move rapidly back and forth and right. you process some of the some of the uh, traumatic things that happen during the day mm-hmm. but unfortunately to uh, the children uh, they don't have the resources the support uh, necessary to be able to understand some of these things so what happens is the traumatic issues get locked in their in their brain right and they don't get processed and as the years go by uh, what happens is something that's akin to the trauma gets triggered and it's the uh, it's that child that uh, ends up running the show not the adult mm-hmm uh, now, what, gets, yeah go ahead well I, I, I one of the things the reason I had you on too is that there's people out there that are you know, I really have problems with alcohol dependency or drug issues, substance, you know, abuse issues, and they don't like AA, and they, you know, they're, so some people, we talked about this, and I'd like you to address both. Some people are aware of their trauma, women who, you know, anyone, not just women, but people who have been sexually abused or emotionally or physically abused as kids, right, and then drink to sort of numb out. And then there's people who are, it's sort of embedded, and I was, and I had asked you, you know, when we weren't on the show about that, and you explained to me, well, what if somebody doesn't remember the trauma, uh, you know, and how do you work with someone like that? Well, if um, if I'm working with someone that has a problem, let's say alcohol, mm-hmm. and they do remember the trauma, I would use the standard EMDR protocol, and I would target the tra- the the early trauma. Because uh, addictions and dysfunctional behaviors usually are trauma-based. That's what I found in the 26 years of working with them. Now, if I don't know what the trauma is, I utilized uh, what I developed, which is the addiction protocol 
called detour, which is desensitization of triggers and urge reprocessing. And what I will do is I will target the triggers that bring up the urge to use. Right. Now, by targeting the triggers, there is a neural network that will take it back to the traumas. And once the trauma is uncovered, it can then be reprocessed. And once wow. it's reprocessed, there's nothing to trigger the urges to use. Mm-hmm. That sounds, that and sounds uh, usually it's something like uh, some negative belief that gets locked in the person's uh, brain, like there's something wrong with me, I'm not good enough, uh, I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, some negative belief that has been stored there since childhood. Wow. How long have you lived in Southern California? I moved here in 2005 from uh, uh, Silicon Valley, Los Gatos, uh, San Jose area. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, be- yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Before um, I got involved in uh, psychotherapy, I spent 30 years sales and marketing in high technology, computers, and electronics. Wow. Wow. But and- you've been... Yeah, so you studied, where did you get your Ph.D. in? I got my Ph.D. from International University Mm -hmm. of Professional Studies and my Master's from uh, Sierra University. Oh, okay. I don't know where they are. Are they up in Northern California? Uh, Sierra University was down in Orange County. Mm -hmm. And International University, uh, I believe... uh, is in uh, San Diego or or Maui. It's been a while. <laughs> okay, and uh, so you're not going to just sit at a in a chair and talk when, when you come to work with you, right? No, no. Um, my my way of doing therapy is to ask, "What do you want? Mm-hmm. What to get you? How will you know?" And what's preventing you, or what do you need? And wow. I like to find out ahead of time, how will you know when our therapy is over? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, being learning, learning impaired myself or learning, dis- you know, having a lot of learning disabilities, I have to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that... Uh, I approach uh, therapy with my clients. Do you find that you get a lot of people who are n- not successful, who don't like uh, AA or 12-step? Um, yes. Uh, you know, 12-step AA, is it, it's different. Uh, every meeting is different. Um, yeah, that's true. And a lot of people... Uh, don't like it because a lot of them don't like it because it's too religious. Some don't like it because uh, they're hanging around the coffee pot and they're either addicted to coffee or cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Some feel that they're addicted to 12-step. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, you know, for some people it, it helps them and others it doesn't. 
Um, when I look at it, there some people don't like giving up their power. Mm-hmm. Others look at it and say, well, they're constantly focused on not using, not doing. Right. And you really not do something. Yeah. When I'm working. Uh-huh. When I'm working with this population, I'm having them focusing on what they want. How are right. they going to know when they're clean, when they're when they're done with this, and build up a good path, a, a good powerful picture of them being successfully over this? It's a lot easier for someone to go towards something than escape from something. Right. Right. Uh, it sounds like you would be very busy here. Are you busy? Uh, well, I not only have you know my practice for addictions, but I also give workshops around the world, mm-hmm. uh, training other therapists in my detour protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work with the Wounded Warriors Projects, uh, working with the military, too. I keep busy enough. Yeah, it sounds good. And... Uh, I, I really, I'm very, very interested. I think I did really deep work with a PhD who specialized in childhood abuse work 20 years, over 20 years ago, and we didn't, we didn't spend a lot of time sitting on the couch talking either. You know, it was, I don't know what you'd call it, but um, it was very, very different and very deep. And you know, I, I got through a lot of stuff. But um, so I think this is great, and I like to tell people. So we're talking to AJ. Popke, who has a uh, his own practice here in Southern California, in Sherman Oaks. The number that you can reach him at is 818-908-8940. And thank God for the Internet. You can also Google him and find his website, which I'm looking at one of your sites now. The other thing that I, I don't know what uh, NLP is. Can you talk about that? Um, NLP is neurolinguistic pro- uh, programming. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, it's the study of, of excellence. What the, the founders of NLP did was they studied people that excelled in their field, uh, like Milton Erickson, who was one of the world's greatest uh, uh, medical hypnotists, mm-hmm. Virginia Satir, Gregory Bateson, and Franz Perls, who were the top... Uh, uh, psychotherapists in their field, mm-hmm. and what they 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 studied them, and then they broke down what they did in little chunks so they could teach them to other people. Wow. And uh, I got interested in that when I was director of sales for a computer company in uh, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. What I did was uh, teach all of my salespeople. Uh, those skills, the communication skills, how people make decisions, uh, how they communicate, so that uh, my salespeople would communic- could communicate with their clients in uh, a way that they could be understood. Oh, you know, is this something that Tony Robbins uses? Now it's uh, kind of triggering a memory. That, with some... That's exactly uh, what Tony Robbins' background is. Yeah, Absolutely. I thought so. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I think would be so helpful. And tell me, is it something that it's a shorter term then than sitting on the couch for 10 years with a psychoanalyst? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, um, EMDR 
the way I look at it in my 26 years, if I have to see somebody more than 12 times, I figure I'm not doing a good job. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm talking people that have uh, some pretty uh, heavy problems, uh, a lot of military PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, been able to work with them successfully in six to eight visits. Wow. So you, not... want to talk, you want to talk about that? Yeah, talk about your military, how you're helping them. We have guys here that are in Los Angeles that uh, certainly are traumatized. I've met some at different restaurants here in L.A. How you, talk about that program. Well, um, we have what's known as Warrior Camp. And mm-hmm. In fact, I'm leaving Thursday to go back there where uh, I spend a week at a horse farm in uh, New Hampshire. And we give the warriors uh, one week of uh, EMDR psychotherapy. Uh, so they either get five straight days or with some, uh, if we have the time, they get uh, ten sessions in a week. Mm-hmm. When they're not doing EMDR psychotherapy, they're doing equine psychotherapy, working mm-hmm. with the horses, which is very powerful. Mm-hmm. They start each morning with uh, yoga, and they end each uh, day with yoga. And yeah, that's they really leave mm-hmm. 180 degrees um, change in them. So that's Yeah, that's nice. That sounds good. Um, and we've been, you know, uh, going to different military bases, Department of Defense psychotherapists, and how to... Uh, in, in EMDR and how to work with the troops. We've got, um, I've worked with the Soldiers Center uh, and the Soldiers Project locally in Given Hour. Um, it's very powerful. Unfortunately, some of the VA centers uh, won't let their therapists use EMDR. For what reason, I don't know. I can only figure it's... Uh, ego problems involved. Wow. But with uh, all the problems of the military coming back, I to me it's uh, criminal negligence when they don't uh, let these hmm. uh, troops get this type of uh, relief. Wow. So what are the, when they don't allow them to use uh, EMDR, what are they using, AA? No, uh for, for PTSD, they're using something called prolonged exposure and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. where they give the troops a, an inch-thick uh, manual and they have to do homework. Mm-hmm. Prolonged exposure, they keep bringing up the trauma and bringing up the trauma. Aye, aye, aye. And they, uh, their research has been done on women that were sexually abused and I saw on CBS where they say that women that are sexually abused went through the, are going through the same trauma that uh, our soldiers and Marines are going through and to me that's a crock of BS um, so I don't, I don't know uh, the whole thing is what we in the military call uh, uh, Charlie Foxtrot I can't say what it is on the air Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it at that. 
Right, right. Well, it sounds like uh, to keep bringing it up is a lot would be a lot like a stepper thing where you're sitting around talking about the past and what happened to you and you know I, I don't that doesn't seem very helpful. But well, maybe we can focus on what you do and what you bring and um, you know that you are doing something and you do training and you speak to other therapists who are PhDs. Is there a society that, um, like, is there some conference, you know, yearly? It sounds like you do a lot of them. So can you talk about where they well, are and what kind of, yeah. Let's where see, we have EMDR International Association has a conference every year. Uh, the next one will be in Denver. And I'm presenting a paper at Edinburgh in June mm-hmm. on addictions. Um and uh i do uh, doing i've been doing workshops around the country on uh on addictions and the addiction protocol the one in edinburgh uh what kind of conference is that i think uh, stanton peel has been there that sounds uh, that's, familiar um, that's uh, another uh, emdr international conference EMDR. there's uh, mm-hmm. you know when we started doing uh EMDR trainings, the first one was like 1989, and we had 19 people. Mm-hmm. Now there are over, I don't know, 100, 150,000 trained, licensed EMDR therapists in 60, 70 different countries. Oh, wow. And the association has sent therapists to every national uh, natural disaster and every war upheaval mm-hmm. uh, to the tsunamis to um, um, let's see Katrina uh, the twin towers the earthquakes to uh, Ireland South Africa South America uh, you name it there's been EMDR therapists working with the first responders and working with the victims and training therapists in the local areas to uh, continue working with survivors. Have you? I just watched a really good documentary called God Grew Tired of Us about the lost boys of Sudan, the 20,000 boys that walked 1,000 miles, all their parents were killed in front of them, and it was that whole just unbelievable story. Have you ever, because I know there's a bunch of them here, that's part of what the film is about, and they're all over the country, and they, you could see when they are where the fireworks are that they're not really liking the fireworks. Have you ever worked with any of these uh, kids that have lost their family from yeah, the you Sudan? Know, that's, a, that's a strange thing. I had uh, gotten in touch with some old friends of mine. They had lost their son in 9-11, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Alderman, mm-hmm. and... Uh, what they did was they took the money they got from the 9-11 fund and uh, Dr. Steve Alderman, the father, yeah. and his wife, Betsy, and they started the Peter Alderman Fund. And what they do is they've set uh, clinics up in th- third world countries, Cambodia and uh, South Africa, wow. to work with traumatized people. Mm, wow. And... Um, I found out about it accidentally. I hadn't seen these friends of mine in 15 years. Mm, and it's well, uh, a beautiful thing to do. The phone with them, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it was 
touch base with them. That's really, really beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah um, in fact, giving a dinner for uh, what was it that that uh, boy soldier that wrote the wrote a book? Yeah. The um, was it a long walk home. Or was it called a long? Right. But they're giving it. They're giving a dinner for him in New York. Uh, I think it's April twenty eighth. Really? Yeah. He he must be like in his late twenties now. Right, I think so. That's. Did you read that book? That's an amazing book. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know if I have the uh, one walk home. Maybe that's not the name of it. Um, but it's about the. I don't know why that, that came into my head. And there's a website called that. But I. Yeah, that that is an, an unbelievable story. Well, these boys, God grew tired of us. Is you know basically the story of those that they just uh, there were thousands of them who walked. Uh, a thousand miles, and they first they went to uh, I want to say Ethiopia, and then Ethiopia told them they needed to leave, and then from Ethiopia they went to Kenya. It's really touching. It's just like oh my god, it was one of those. You know, some documentaries can be depressing, um, mm-hmm. but this one is not because you see these young. They're all male, you know, they were all children when they lost their parents, and a lot of them saw their parents killed in families in front of them and were little when it happened, you know, five and seven, and uh, they all stayed together, and it's just, like, it's so touching. Like, it just made me... I finished watching it last night, and um, to see people who go through, I mean, uh, just unbelievable trauma, and they, but there's something about them that is so... Uh, and I don't want to use the word grateful because it's still a little tainted for me. From AA, can, can you do trauma for me for a from AA <laughs> from oh, being in yeah. AA? My trauma from AA. Could you help me with that trauma? <laughs> sure, come on, come on over and see me. Yeah, yeah. somebody There's mentioned a, it actually <laughs> when Gabriel Glazer was interviewing. <laughs> I, had, uh, I was working at one place, and they so they they sent me this uh, guy that was a crack addict. And uh, you know, they said, send them, send them to the guy that does that finger, that weird finger wave and stuff. Mm-hmm. I worked with them for, uh, I guess it was about five weeks, and uh, he was uh, he was doing good. He wasn't out looking for rock anymore. Really? And um, he came in one week and he said, you know, he said I keep getting blamed. I go to AA and they keep blaming me for using. EMDR is a silver bullet, and I'm not really working the steps. <laughs> he said, and I went in and I said, you know, cigarettes and coffee are really tasting lousy. I got to give them up. And they said, you can't do that. You're too early in recovery. Uh huh. He said, uh, you know, I'm really getting ticked off at this. I said, okay, I'll go down and I'll talk to your group leader. And so I went in and I said, hey, you know, I said, uh, this guy's, you know, really doing good. Mm-hmm. And she said, no, he's not. He relapsed. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking through my notes, and I said, I don't see where he relapsed. She said, he had a beer. I said, uh, he had he had one beer, yeah, last week. Mm-hmm. She said, well, that's relapse. I said, he hasn't had any crack. Mm-hmm. He said, it's still, he had a beer. They're weird. Wow. And I looked at it, I said, you know, what I'm doing is very experiential. What if it works? 
You know, we're working on crack cocaine, six years of crack cocaine. Wow. And had any. Uh, but you're, you're dealing with a mentality that is totally focused on those steps. And to them, that is nirvana, and that's the only way to do it. And so it's, it's almost like a religion in itself. Yeah, that's a really good story. Uh, Lance Doty just wrote a book, The Sober Truth, debunking the rehab and the 12 steps. And uh, he really nailed it in, in the back of the book. Towards the end, he does like myth number one, myth number two. And um, one of them is about getting coins and counting time and how detrimental it is. And, you know, he really nails it. If you want it really good, I don't know if it's in paperback yet, but he gave me a copy because I interviewed him for my film and I had him on the radio show, and it was re- it's really powerful. You know, he was a psychiatrist, and yet when he writes and when he talks, like sometimes, but it's not heady, but you, that story that you told is uh, what needs to change, like why AA needs to be the size of a peanut, because that hurts people. Like if, so here you have a guy who's been using crack, did you say, for six years? Yep. And he's he's not no longer using crack, but he had one beer. And actually, for me, people that I knew, a lot of addicts who are addicted to their DOC is like, um, you know, something else. It's not beer. They all can have a beer and put it down. A lot of them can actually smoke a joint and like take it or leave it. Like it isn't their addictive thing. And yet, AA is so black and white. But wow, and so. You actually went but down I, to his meeting? You went to his, like, regular meeting that he went to? Yeah. Oh, good for you. You know, I, when I first started uh, this, and uh, I was working at uh, County Drug and Alcohol, and uh, I figured, uh, you know, Francine says, pick a, pick a, uh, a specialty. So I, I don't know why I picked, you know, drug and alcohol, but... Uh, right. And people were telling me, no, no, you cannot use, you can't do therapy on someone that's too early in recovery. Mm. You know, and especially alcohol, you can't, no, you can't do that. And I said, why mm. can't I? Right. And they said, because they're going to relapse. Mm. They're already relapsing. What the hell difference does it make? Well, and if so you want... I did it, and damned <laughs> if it didn't work. Well, if you, but, even if you look at your your fees, you know which are reasonable, and if you were to compare it to rehab, you know, what they're charging people for rehab, and they come out and they relapse. I mean, why doesn't Lindsay Lohan come to you, you know, or somebody who obviously rehab, these stupid 12-step rehabs, you know, 25, 30, 40, excuse me, 40, 50,000 a month. Um, yep. Where they, yeah, but you know, <laughs> I don't give massages and have, uh, I don't have uh, gourmet cooks. Yeah, but you just go, how long is your session? Uh, 50 minutes. 50 minutes session. Uh, you know, most of these uh, drug rehab centers, there's some, some of them are getting very smart. But most of them do not handle the dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And addicts are dual diagnosed. They, have, they all have a dual diagnosis. They all are trauma-based. I don't believe in genetics. Mm -hmm. What they're talking about genetics to me is modeling. 
if the father was an alcoholic and the grandfather is an alcoholic, they learned it by modeling. Wow. There's a lot of things that, you know, this whole disease model. Oh, I know. It's crap. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. It's, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, it is like, here's the thing um, that, uh, what do you call it? It was Ken Anderson who has a harm reduction thing, a program. And he said, what disease First of all, he goes, it's very, you know, it's very time-consuming. You have to get in your car, you got to get dressed, put on a coat. He lives in New York, you got to get in your car or go out in the cold. And you got to, let's picture L.A. You got to get in your car, you got to drive to the store, you got to get out of the car, go in the store, you got to pick out the alcohol, you got to pay for it, you got to get back in your car, drive back home, you got to get in your house, open the door, come inside. Now you got to open up the bottle, you got to get a glass, you got to pour it in, you got to, and you got to put it in your body. Like, what disease? you go and get and go through all that there's no disease like that that's nuts you know what i mean um and well, i the, yeah i'm with well, you you know the the reason that aa is so popular is because it doesn't cost anything well you know, you know i think that it's more than that i think that what i'm finding in my research aj for the film and this wasn't you know, I was going to touch on the history, and we started reading the Marty Mann bio, which is the first woman alcoholic that joined AA in the 40s. So AA got entrenched really early, and there was no grassroots movement. No, it was like really high level down. She was a marketing genius. Her lover, she was a lesbian. Her lover eventually got a job as an assistant editor at Vogue. That's how the Saturday Evening Post uh, story came about. Um, later on, somebody big at IBM gave Marty, like after 10 years of A flatlining, uh, millions of, it would, today's dollars would be millions for her to push her agenda at the National Council on Alcoholism. They were embedded at Harvard when, uh, you know, George Valiant, who, you know, I've met and talked to and heard him speak, uh, when he got to Harvard, so basically, AA members were already there. So it's like they were the first ones to come to the table and say, okay, we have a cure. There was, they didn't call anything addiction back then. But, you know, I mean, there are many reasons, but one of the reasons, it's free, and so the courts want to dump. But, you know, it, it's going to be, I'm going to deal with it in my film. How did it get so entrenched? And then you have Hollywood that has just perpetuated the lie. Like, I couldn't believe the Denzel Washington movie, Fight. I was like, oh, you fucking kidding me. Like, this is 2013, and you're going to put Denzel Washington, and he's going to sit there, and with that victimization bullshit, is going to call himself an alcoholic, and what, and I'm sure the, the, I'm sure the writer is an AA member. Um, so it's going to take, I mean, there's three movies coming out this year. Lance Doty's book, The Sober Truth, is definitely getting a lot of press. Uh, and my film, and there's two other films, um, Claudia Christian is making one called the One Little Pill because Naltrexon has really helped her. And then there's another film that uh, the guy doesn't really want us to talk about. But I think that you know what you're saying is, um, you know, it's all true. And I think that, but what I see is sad is that it's recidivism. You know, I mean, it creates AA creates recidivism. And there will be a population in our judicial system and people who really care, like parents 
and loved ones, they will want an answer. They don't want to hear that just because this is free, right? And it creates binge drinking. I've seen that in my own family members, uh, that if you tell somebody right away that you can't have anything, like that's that's probation. Like even if you're not a criminal, so they've criminalized drinking in the United States now, you're a criminal. You get on probation if you get a DUI, you get a mugshot. And this is if you've hurt no one. You know, like there's this whole road of prohibitionistic created by steppers that are in all little places way high up, not grassroots people. We're talking these mother or whatever. They're like embedded everywhere. They're at Harvard. They're in our, they're our drugs are. They're, you know, a judge. They're a, a district attorney. They're your principal at your high school that's telling your kid in health class to go down to an AA meeting if they want to know what alcoholism is. Oh, really? You're going to send them down to the Marina Center, where every time I've gone there, as far as outreach from my film, there's like crazy-ass people in the back of the room. I mean, I, I, I mean, to me, it's become a really sick place. Uh, when I first, no, not all meetings, there, you know, there are some meetings where, I, my old meeting where the women were, that's not that way, but for the most part, if you go to mixed meetings, um, they're pretty wacko unless they've got some people in charge there, and that, that that's all. But that's my tangent for for AA. But um, I understand it was a great place to meet uh, women. Yeah, that's what they put in Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, I understand also that there is no research. Someone told me there was something like. Uh, the the cure rate there is really no research, but it was something like five percent. <laughs> but yet the that the six percent of people can walk away from alcoholism without any problem. Right, right. Um, I, but mm. but most drug rehab centers offer uh, nothing but twelve step. So are and there that, any? Yes, I, I mean I know that because. Uh, so all I know, is, um, alternatives is a new place that's uh, where they're, you know, teaching. Where they're not teaching, but it's a moderation approach. And uh, do you know any, uh, whether it's a, you know, in rehab or a treatment center or outpatient in the Los Angeles area that is not 12-step and that uses EMDR for addiction? Um, there. There is some that uses EMDR, but I don't know any that uses my detour protocol. Mm-hmm. Which um, ones? Yeah, which ones use EMDR? I'd be really curious to know. Oh. I don't want to put you on the spot. It's okay. I just like I'm trying to I, see. You know, you know? I, I really don't know, but I, I remember reading some. <laughs> I just really, you know, I talked to somebody who runs a, a real non-12-step rehab down in San Diego and, and to the guys who run alternatives, you know, and I said, like, you know, is there another one? They said, no. Like, they only pretend they put on a front kind of... I mean, I guess there's a really expensive one up on the hill in Malibu that's like 50000 a month where the guys, I think the father and the son, have big ads on the TV. Oh, not, pro- is that Promises or...? Uh, no, I think Promises is 12-step for sure, Um but, They're all twelve uh, step. Yeah, but this other one isn't. But it's just so expensive. You know, it's like fifty thousand a month, and I mean, it's be curious. Uh, I know the one in in Arizona. Um, uh, what is it? Sierra Tucson. 
Sierra Tucson uses EMDR. Mm-hmm. Is it? But they I, have both up there too, right? And, yeah, but I trained some of their therapists. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the Meadows. Oh, the Meadows. Um, I've heard of that. Where's the Meadows? That's in Arizona too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the only ones that I know of. Wow, that doesn't sound like Southern California. <laughs> it's kind well, of sad. There was there was a 180 center, but they closed down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did work at one or two other places that closed down. And uh, I uh, I didn't like working at some of them because I didn't like the way they the way they did business. Yeah. I don't like the way they treat people. You know. Um, yeah. I know- I- Idea yeah. of the half sleeping with the uh, participants. What? Can you say that again? I didn't like the idea of the staff sleeping with the guests. Oh really? Where was that happening? Uh, I don't want to say. Yeah, I, I've um, when I was leaving AA at the end, when I was doing my make AA safer stuff in '09 and 2010, at the end it became like a. It was like a hornet's nest. It's almost like we had a big nest that we had stabbed it, and like the shit was flying everywhere. And there was a beautiful Australian girl. I mean, if you could say it, she couldn't get more beautiful, you know what I mean, with like long red curly hair to her waist, and she was probably 27, and just like lovely face and, you know, very sort of a natural beauty um, and just the perfect, you know, figure and all that. And she came... They started to come to my women's meeting because we started to we we went out from the women's meeting and started to make announcements, and then they reported back rapes. Like we were just wanting to deal with thirteen stepping and, and was like telling me about being raped, and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I mean, I'm just talking about sexual harassment here, and that really stirred things up. And so she, all the people who the young women who were going on the west side would come to our meeting because we created this literature and we would read the safety statement and stuff, and. Uh, I don't know what kind of damage I could have done if I stayed in. I'm sure I could have done some serious internal damage, but it was killing me. You know what I mean? It was just too, it was just too hard. I mean, it was easier to leave, and it was easier to leave and do the work from the outside. But she told us that there was a guy who ran one of the biggest rehabs in West LA, who was married with three kids, and he was over in late 50s, right? And had given her a ride. Now it turns out she was from Australia. And she didn't have papers. But he molested her in the car and and then made a deal. If she would sleep with him, he would make sure that she could get a bed in that rehab. And I was like, God, I need that. And we tried so hard. Callie and I, like, she'd call us and she would be crying. And then, you know, she it was just she was so traumatized. And then she mm. finally just left the country. But I would have loved if we could have just gotten the name of that guy. Um, it would have really helped. Um because you could report, I mean, they could, you could shut them down. That's like, you know, uh, here, here's here's a story from, I'll give you this. So the filmmaker who's making this other film that just wants to be quiet about it right now, he sent me a text, and it said, let me just find this. This is just, these are the stories. They're just going to keep on coming. And by the way, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is getting sued big time. They're going to get, they're going to get, they're going to get served pretty soon. But, um, 
How can they get sued? They're all individual uh, organizations. Oh no, the big, the big, uh, the big Kahuna in New York. Um, they well, well, I'll tell you. I'll explain to this, but let me just. Here's a story for you. So he found an. In, there's an individual that through an addiction doctor. Oh wait, um, his 12-step therapist borrowed 25 grand from him and never paid it back. So imagine Whoa. doing that in the you know if your therapist borrowed twenty five grand or you know you somebody like my therapist with a PhD slept with their clients and started borrowing oh, money from them right? Hey, that's yep we that that's license losing right right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's um those are the kind of I mean I know of a guy who you know owes a bunch of guys in. West Hollywood, not West Hollywood, I guess L.A. meetings, a quarter of a million dollars, like, you know, spread out over a bunch of years and borrowing this from this one and this from this one. And when the guys come to him and say, I want my money back, he's got like 37 or 38 years now or maybe more, and he's like, well, go write about it. Go write about it. It's like, what the, what, somebody should say, what did you just say to me and just like punch him in the face? I mean, why don't they? You know, that, that, that sort of, Triggers my Marine Corps mentality to uh, <laughs> to uh, take a two by four to their kneecaps. Would you come with me and stand outside this men's meeting when I go to talk to men who are? <laughs> sure, I'd love to. <laughs> I'm going soon. I'm going to go on a Tuesday night and go to that men's tag and stand outside with some pamphlets and say, and I know that financial scamming is going on here by an old timer, and I'd like to help anybody uh, in any way possible. Psychologically, Call me. I, I can. Uh, I can see where that would be some fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with another person, but it would actually be cool to have a guy come with us because the guy could actually walk into the meeting, and um, at which I can't go in. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. And Alcoholics Anonymous in New York knows, you know, that all this stuff has been going on. And I think, you know, I don't, just to just give you some information, so I think that people haven't realized, people think that they couldn't sue AA. AA has been sued and has settled out of court. Al-Anon was sued over and over again to close down Alatot and Alateen. Now you need a background check. Uh, they sued, the, you know, the main headquarters in Virginia Beach, and they sued meeting after, I mean, meeting after meeting. Um, areas have money. I mean, I, I know you're not in AA. I was in AA, so I understand, like, how the whole structure works. And areas have money and they have insurance. Um, districts have money and they have insurance. Some districts have more money than others. Area, like in Los Angeles, is like 22 grand in the bank, but they have liability insurance, like if somebody were to slip and fall and sue them. Um, mm-hmm. New York, you know, if you don't know this, brings in $12, $14 million a year. They have liability oh. insurance like the Catholic Church has. And in 2009, um, a, a trustee, a guy who was on the board, wrote a seven-page letter and addressed it to the board about sexual predatory. I mean, I'll, I'll send you the link so you can see this, just so you know. Or if you don't want to know, that, you can just tell me that, too, and we'll forget it. But he wrote a letter as an insider about children being molested, about um, teenagers being raped at Icky Paws, and about predatory behavior, uh, and did I say rape and 13-stepping? A seven-page letter. The board made him wait a year to read the letter to the board, and this is a really good guy who likes AA and got sober young. He's still a good guy. I like him. He's a great guy. He helped me with the workshops that I did. And then after they made him wait, they read the letter to the board, and then they voted to do nothing. 
and the employees who get paid $350,000 a year or 150000 you know, their, their, their fees are nice and, you know, sweet, really sweet pension packages they have. And um, they said, no, we're not going to do that. You figure it out to the board. And so the board was like, whoa, okay, what do we do? And they created a subcommittee, and I spoke to all these people. I mean, they, it's bad. They know exactly what's going on. And then what, what happened, oddly, I mean, I'm sure people have gotten murdered before, but this is after he did this, and then I wrote my letters in fall of '09. not know, you know, once I got connected with, with this man. Um, so I wrote letters to New York, and then the murders began to happen that we were aware of. Uh, in Hawaii, a woman and her daughter were murdered by a guy they met who was court-ordered. He was a violent offender. He shouldn't have been court-ordered. You know, these guys don't belong in AA. You know, they, they need help. Or they need to go to jail. And then the guy who killed Carla Brada um, was court-ordered 55 or 50-something times over 22 years, a violent offender, to AA instead of going to jail. I mean, sometimes he went to jail. And then there's been a murder in um, Twin Cities, Michigan. Similar story. A violent offender was court-ordered. He met a, a young lady in her early 30s, and with three months she was dead. Um, there's an old lady who was killed up in outside of Michigan, was killed by an AA member, murdered. You know, they broke into her home and killed her. That was different. She didn't meet him at, a, at the meeting. But anyway, um, I mean, if you go and to watch my trailer, you can just see all this stuff that's... I mean, I have a pile that's like a foot high of stories. Like I was, I was, I've been printing them out since 2000. And well, geez, you know, I I tell everybody that if you know that I I suggest to my uh, clients that uh, they should join AA, but I do that for self protection because you know I say, hey, listen, join AA and get a sponsor because I don't want you calling me at three o'clock in the morning when you're drunk. Mm. You know, sponsor, don't bother me. Right. Well, now you know. I mean, you know about there's other choices like there's SOS and there's Smart Recovery. They're really growing. Smart's grown. There's a better MM Manage Moderation, Rational yeah. Recovery, uh, and some of the others. Yes. Well, maybe yet we could. You know, it'd be good for me. To, I'm going to come out and have a session on my AA trauma. <laughs> okay. And I'll Absolutely. bring you my pamphlets that when you meet people, I, I mean, I would highly suggest that you never send anybody to AA again. But you know, what you do is up to you. But there are there's an Emma meeting tonight at um, Alternatives in, uh, I don't know if it's Beverly Hills or it's considered L.A. over on Robertson. There are smart meetings now even in the Valley um, at night and day. And then there's SO, there's not a lot of SOS meetings. I think there's, you know, there's a few. But there's online meetings for smart, and um, there's a lot of online bloggers, you know. We're talking to A.J. Popke, Arnold A.J. Popke, and his number, if you would like to see him, he specializes EM, specializes in EMDR work. You can reach him at 818-908-8940. And I don't think we have – my chat room is so quiet today. Um, if anybody wants to call in, we could take a call. If somebody wants to ask AJ a question about EMDR and the work that he does, 818-475-9211 is our call-in number. 818-475-9211. Um, so let me just let you talk. What is, uh, we have a lot of people that listen in and, um, what if we have, what, what do you do with someone with low self-esteem that we see a lot of people with a lot of AA time who have low self-esteem after 20 years of sobriety? Well, low self-esteem usually comes from some sort of stuff, uh, some sort of 
trauma from uh, family of origin, where they got uh, embedded in their uh, psyche that they're not good enough, they're not smart enough, they're not pretty enough. Uh, something where there's something wrong with them. And mm-hmm. what we do is uh, we start working from there. We call that the touchstone experience. Go back to the earliest time where they believe they believed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, work to reprocess that. And that's um, that's easy enough to clear up. Remember that guy on uh, SNL? He used to have that show. He started his little skit with, I'm not smart enough, or I'm smart enough, and I'm good enough, and gosh, he became a senator. Remember that character? Did you ever watch Saturday Night Live? I never watched that. (laughs) When you said that, it totally reminded me of that character who, uh, uh, that was the opening, and he sat like in a little sweater, like a little cardigan button sweater, and like it was a very nerdy character, and it was sort of when affirmations were new, you know, that kind of... uh, well, that you know, that, that, does, that does get locked into the brain, mm-hmm. the, uh, that fact. And uh, what I'd like to know is, is uh, what, they, what would they much rather believe? Mm-hmm. And that we call the, the positive belief. And we work to uh, desensitize that negative belief. And see, the beautiful thing about EMDR, it's called the Adaptive Information Processing Model. It's our natural healing if we cut and we keep all of the dirt and the stuff out of it, we'll heal. It's the same thing if we cut emotionally and we could have REM sleep at night, if our eyes move rapidly back and forth, we will heal and we'll be able to cope. And I, to me, healing is coping and functioning successfully in life. Mm. Mm-hmm. But if... Uh, if you don't have that, and again, kids don't have that. Kids are a sponge. Mm-hmm. So it won't get processed. But once we do simulate that REM sleep, it allows the brain to process it. I'll give you a little, uh, uh, an idea of some of the things that, uh, that happen. Uh, do you have a PC or an Apple? I actually have both. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the PC, did you ever, uh, uh, what do they call it, defrag the hard drive? Yeah, defrag. That's, yes, I remember doing oh, that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, EMDR defrags the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Working with a uh, Vietnam vet, they're out on patrol, and they get ambushed, and two of his battle buddies get hit. Mm-hmm. And the lieutenant sends him for plasma. Well, he gets back with the plasma, and the lieutenant says, what took you so long? So-and-so died. Mm. What gets locked in his brain is, it's my fault. I killed him. Uh-huh. And that stays with him for 25 years. Right. Started working with him and uh, have him recall the incident, and all of a sudden... What comes up is he's coming back with the plasma and a mortar round went off and knocked him unconscious. Uh, Did something with his arms or his shoulders. Right. 
he picked he had to pick up the plasma with his teeth that's when he went back to the lieutenant and the lieutenant told him what took you so long mm -hmm. what wasn't in that part of his memory was the fact that he was knocked unconscious also too though if he comes back and he gets married and if a wife says what took you so long well, that would that, trigger it you know right a lot of those things could trigger Mm -hmm. But he spent 25 years with survivor's guilt. Wow. Once he reprocessed wow. that, and that part about him being knocked unconscious got back into that memory, it, was, it wasn't my fault. I did the best I could. And that guilt was erased. That whole episode was reprocessed. Well, I'm just going to bring my whole family over there. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> this one for that and me for that and that one for that. I mean, because I'm all for not being there forever. Like uh, the work I did with Wendy McCord uh, was very, very focused. But this sounds very interesting to me because Gabrielle Glaser, who wrote Her Best Kept Secret, uh, Why Women Drink and How They Can Regain Control, and she did a chapter about me and the work I did and stuff. and I mean, I was probably a lot more angry than I am now. At that point, I had, was only just left AA when I think, or leaving, actually, I was thinking, I was just, you know, I was planning my escape, so to speak. <laughs> and so she turned to me when we met, finally met in person. She's like, did you ever try EMDR work? And I said, oh, what's that? And so she told me, and she goes, you know, I think you need some of that for that AA trauma. <laughs> I'll never forget it. But um, it, it has been so great. I've really enjoyed talking to you today. We're talking with A.J. Popke, and he is uh, located here in Southern California, and he is a Ph.D. LMFT, and that's Licensed Marriage Family Therapist, right, the LMFT? That's what that stands for as well, right? And uh, you can reach uh, A.J. at 818-908-8940. If you need help with smoking, self-esteem, performance, substance abuse, gambling, anger, PTSD, phobias, anxiety, disorders, addictions, weight, and domestic violence. Uh, uh, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, this works very good on, on weight, by the way, too. It does. Okay, mm -hmm. we're coming over. Did you hear that, okay. honey? I think my, my husband's listening. We'll, we'll come over together. <laughs> okay, AG, thank you so much. Nice, nice talking to you, Monica. Okay, Thank you. nice talking to you. We'll, we'll talk. Bye. You'll hear from me, okay? I was looking forward to it. All right. Bye. Take care. Thank you so much. And so we are here with, uh, that was A.J. Popke. I am Monica Richardson. This is Blog Talk Radio and Safe Recovery. You can listen on iTunes for free. You can listen here and download onto your smartphone, onto your iPhone. And, again, we will be here next week uh, talking with uh, a coach from Kraft which is for family and friends of people who have any kind of alcohol or addiction issues. She is a, a life coach, and she's very, very affordable, and we're going to have her on next week. So, again, thank you so much to A.J. Popke and uh, the Ph.D. EMDR specialist, and you can reach him at 818-908-8940. And I think I'm going to head on over there to see what he's like, and I'll let you know firsthand. And thank you so much for safe recovery. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much, and good night. Bye-bye.